0: Uh, It's been a while since I've been on this stage, and I know it's been a while because of the dream I had this morning. Right as my alarm was going off, this was the dream I had. First of all, all four of us in our home, which we're trying to get here on a bicycle, one bicycle, (laughs) did not arrive till the end of the first service. When I got here, I looked in my backpack, and all my notes were gone. I go to Nelson. Nelson tapes this microphone on me so that my mouth is stuck over here like this. And then I look down as the service is getting ready to begin the second service, and I'm still in my pajamas. And I look over, and there's Joel just staring at me going, That was how I woke up. So I already feel better about the day because of what I have on. So I feel like it's a win already this morning. Well, uh, it's August, and August is, for me, just a time of transitions, and I know for many of you it is as well. Uh, We're transitioning into the new school year and and new dance classes for my girls, and and new things are going on here. We just had uh, volunteer sign-ups for Volunteer Sunday a couple weeks ago. Today is Life Group Sunday sign-up that we'll be talking about here in a little bit. Uh, It's just a time of transitions. And uh, I've gone through a number of transitions, our family has as well, here recently. First of all, uh, we got rid of our swing set. Uh, That was a transition. Not for me, for my wife. Uh, It took about two years of working on that. Uh, That was a process for us to be able to do that, but it was just time to say goodbye. In fact, it went away in pieces, uh, because it was about 20 years old, Uh, but Also, this past year, uh, I got a new little present I've never gotten before. Uh, My mom and dad got me a little gift on my last birthday. It was a little envelope, and it was a little card that said AARP on it. And uh, now I get the magazine every month, and uh, they thought that was real funny, Uh, let me tell you. Um, And then also, uh, speaking of uh, that age... Uh, something, we just transitioned in a little relationship I have with my youngest daughter because I wasn't prepared for this, but she grabbed me recently, a few weeks ago, drugged me into the bathroom where the bright light is, stood me up in front of the mirror, grabbed some tweezers, and started pulling ear hair out. I wasn't ready for that. So uh, where things I wish were growing is not happening, and it's happening in other places. So... I know some of you can relate, but uh, yes, transitions happen whether we want them to or not. But that's why it's good that we have things that we can depend on. Why our God, uh, there is no shifting shadow. There is no variation with Him. Why Jesus is our rock and our salvation. Why we have the Word of God that that stands the test of time and that we can stand upon. We have things that we can depend on that are solid for us. And for the last uh, six weeks or so, we've been talking about our seven essentials here that we uh, try to adhere to the best that we can to help us stay focused and grounded in being a disciple-making church. And you can see a list of those up here on the screen that we've been talking through the last number of weeks. All right? Our seven essentials. Abide in Christ was number one. And then we had reach the lost. Today, we're going to talk about number three, connecting the unconnected. Number four was chase the strays, shepherding people toward spiritual maturity, identify, equipping, and releasing leaders, and functioning as a team that we talked about a couple of weeks ago on Volunteer Sunday. Now, you can see the, we didn't preach these in order, but you can see them now in order. And there's a progression of these. Because two through seven do not work unless number one is in place. And our first job as a disciple-making church is to abide in Christ. And everything has to flow from that. And we had better be not just be thinking about ourselves, but reaching outside the church, reaching those who are lost that have not heard the good news of the gospel and that there's something that they can depend on, a rock that they can have in their life as well. And then once people are here in the church, we want to make sure people stay connected. And I'll talk about that in a second. But we know sometimes people stray too distractions, temptations of the world, money, schedules, busyness. And we need to make sure that we're chasing those folks. Not getting on their nerves, but just letting them know that we miss them and that we care. And then to take our people and always be shepherding each other towards spiritual maturity, growing in the likeness of Christ. And we need people to do that. We need people to identify what people's spiritual gifts are, put them in places and equip them, and release them to go and lead and make a difference where they are and where they need to serve. And we do everything here as a team. And when Joel talked about that, uh, there's teams all over this place that we function as. So number three, we have one left, and then we saved it for Life Group Sunday. Because uh, connecting the unconnecting, the way we define it, and this is important to define our terms here, connecting the unconnected means to gather people in and connect people into a biblical relational environment, which is what we call life groups. Other churches call them cell groups or home groups or community groups or, or whatever. We just happen to take the phrase life groups here. All right? And when you say the word life group, people have different reactions to it. And I'd be willing to bet there's, in general, three groups of people here in this room right now. The first group of people are those who, when they hear the word life group, they get excited because they've experienced what can happen in that, and they look forward to it, and they want to be a part of a life group. The second group are those kind of in the middle. They're on the fence. They can take it or leave it. If their church has life groups, that's fine. They'll participate. If they go to a church that doesn't have fine with that too they can take it or leave it and then there's those in the third group and maybe some in here that don't really want to have anything to do with it that's not their cup of tea Uh, just like a friend told me a number of years ago he said I'll never go to a church that has small groups that was just his point of view so I bet we all fit into one of those three categories all right and the three points that I'm going to talk about today, I think, can help you no matter which category you find yourself in. So whether you're pro or con or somewhere in between, these three things I'm getting ready to tell you that, that I'm going to discuss for the next 30 minutes or so, I think will help you regardless of what group you find yourself in. All right, and here's the three points I'm going to make about life groups and the need for, for, to be connected into them. The three points are this. Jesus did it. He was in a small group. Number two, it's tough. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I'll explain why something tough would be good. And number three, they bear fruit. Jesus did it. They're tough, but they bear fruit. Okay, those are the three points that I want you to think about and be self-aware of where you're at thinking through this, regardless of which group you find yourself in, pro or con, or in between. All right? So here we go. Number one, Jesus did it. Let's talk about that. Well, let's, we have to begin in Scripture then, all right? So our goal in connecting not connected in life groups is that it's a relational, biblical environment. It's all about relationships. It's about getting you into relationships because we can't do that on Sunday mornings. It usually doesn't work very good, and it's not very deep. So we want to get you into places where you can go a little bit deeper and have a little bit more relational connection with our Father and with each other. Because relationship is at the core of Scripture. In Genesis, in chapter 1, God said, Let us make man in our image. The Trinity is an evidence there in the very first book of the Bible. The Trinity, which is a relational connection between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 2, God says it's not good for man to be alone. He wants us to be in that relationship that he had in the Trinity. He wants us to start to experience that with other people and with him as well. And then as you move on, you have Abraham, who was called to go and make a great nation. And he was going to contribute to uh, a group of people that God could call his own And he could have a special relationship with him. And then Moses comes along after that and he goes up on the mountain and he comes back down with some commandments. The first four of which are about our relationship with God. The second six are about our relationship with each other. All those laws were meant to keep us in fellowship with loving God and loving each other. And then you have the judges and the kings that come along. And Solomon, who really liked relationships, because he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Let's skip that part. (laughs) We'll move on past that, okay? But because of his relationships, negative, the prophets for the next few hundred years were all about calling the Israelite people back to the right relationship with God and the right relationship with other people. Loving God and loving others. Then Jesus comes along. And God sends him down here to dwell amongst us. And he starts to have his relationships with other people. And begins especially to call 12 to a certain specific smaller relationship with him that others did not have. But it was all in the category of relationships. And then he sends them out as he ascends to heaven after his resurrection. And he sends them out to start creating little pockets of believers called churches. And Paul comes along, and he's helping to organize these churches, and he's taking these churches to the Gentiles, to all these other countries that weren't aware of the true God. And he starts to create these little relationships and pockets of people and believers that we know as churches. And then Scripture finally ends in Revelation when at some point in the future Jesus comes back and he takes us all to the new heavens and the new earth and we celebrate with the marriage supper of the Lamb. And what can be more relational than marriage? So from Genesis through Revelation, we have the biblical foundation for relationship and smaller relationships as well. But we're in the church age. So let's go back and let's camp out here for just a little bit in the book of Acts. And look at the earliest church and what was going on there in terms of relationship and smaller pockets of relationships. So if you will, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to celebrate here a little bit. Let's celebrate the opening and reading of this word that we're going to do together. And by the way, uh, hopefully you have our new app on your phone for those of you that used to like to follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. That's no longer being used. Now, all the the notes from what I'm sharing this morning and each week here on out will be found on the new app that we have. Just download Grace Kingsport or Grace Fellowship Kingsport uh, from your app store and look under notes and you'll be able to see, follow along with what you see up on the screen this morning. All right. So let's look at Acts chapter 2 for just a few minutes. Uh, here's an early description of what the church was like. And this is a familiar passage to many of you, but we're just going to look at it for a few minutes. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, uh, what's interesting about this passage here in Acts is this is shortly after Jesus has ascended. And it sounds like everything is just going great. And all of these wonderful things are happening. How did these early disciples know to do these things? Because Jesus had just modeled it all for them. The only reason Acts 2 happened is because Jesus had just been doing that for three and a half years with his disciples. They did not have the New Testament to tell them to do all these things. All they had was Jesus' model and what Jesus had just done with them. So they knew to go to the temple sometimes and to have big church. And then they knew to go to house to house and have little relationships and small groups of people that they're meeting together with. They were just modeling what Jesus had been doing with them. The sharing of possessions. The helping those in need. All of these things, they were just following along with what Jesus had modeled. And what we're trying to do here at Grace Fellowship is just follow along with what Jesus has modeled for us. And so you see relationships here in the book of Acts. They knew to do these things. A few years goes by. And if you look in Acts chapter 5, it still gives you a little bit of a description of what is happening with the early church. It says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news. This is two or three years after the Acts 2 verse. It's still happening. There's still people meeting in the temple, having a big church, and they're still meeting from house to house in the little smaller pockets and relationships of people. All right. It was a means to help people to know Jesus better. It was a means to help transform people and to take maybe what they're learning in the temple and apply that uniquely to their hearts and help the Holy Spirit to change and transform their hearts to grow more and more in likeness of Christ and then to send them out in mission as well. There's a knowing Jesus. There's a being changed by Jesus. And they're being on mission with Jesus. All here in these first few chapters of the books of Acts. It was about learning and growing and developing those early believers and helping them grow in their spiritual maturity. Remember shepherding towards spiritual maturity. You see that here in the first few chapters of Acts because Jesus was the model for it. Jesus was always about relationships. If you look, take a look at this uh, uh, funnel here up on the board, I know it's a little bit hard to see, but I'm going to kind of explain a little bit of this to you. This is an example. It sh- kind of shows uh, how Jesus had relationships with people and what those relationships were like. At the top, it says, Jesus and the crowds, the multitudes. And Jesus had a certain kind of relationship, albeit distant, with the crowds, the multitudes that were following Him. And then the second one down, it says social. That's Jesus and the 70. He knew these 70 a little bit better. He sent them out to go and minister. And then brought them back and kind of debriefed with and talked to them about how their experiences went. And then Jesus had His 12. And then it says Jesus had His three. Who were the three that He was closest to? Peter, James, John. And then it says Jesus and the Father at the bottom. His most intimate relationship. And the farther you go down this funnel, the more intimate and close those relationships were and the more transformative they were. So if your goal is to be like Jesus, not much is going to happen if you just stay in the crowds on a Sunday morning. And I know that might be hard for some of you to hear, but I'm just telling you, That church is only going to do so much for you in your life of becoming like Christ. Jesus modeled that with his relationships because he did more specific things with the 70. He did even more intimate things with the 12. And, And Peter, James, and John experienced things in that smallest of groups that nobody else did. And they were transformed even more. And so for us as a church here, if we want to be a disciple-making church, we need to make sure that we're covering all these bases here. And that we're helping shepherd you into more intimate groups of relationship as well. Because that's what Jesus did. And we're just trying to follow Jesus' example of shepherding people towards spiritual maturity through smaller relational groups of people. Now, it's interesting how science catches up with Scripture. So if you fast forward 2,000 years, let's, see, let's take a look at what science is saying about this relational need that we have. Here's the first book that I wanted to share with you. It's called Anatomy of the Soul, and here's what it says. Science shows that when a person is honest and relates in conversation with affirming, interested listeners... The person's brain is actually changed and reconfigured where it's healed and made stronger. The brain of the person listening is equally affected. You can't do that on Sunday mornings. It's very difficult. You can do little smidges or pieces of that. But more of this is going to happen with a smaller group of people that you can trust who know you and you know them. All right, the second piece I wanted to share with you is this is a, a secular uh, um, uh, paper that was written, and it's actually called Hardwired to Connect. That phrasing up there is a little bit wacky, but there's a paper that actually written called Hardwired to Connect by Secular Folks, and here's what it says. I'm not sure if these two things are on there. Yep, it's on there. The first one, humans are chemically predisposed to form close relationships. God designed us this way. He created us and designed us from the beginning to be geared towards relationships. The second thing, humans are biologically primed to seek moral and spiritual fulfillment. That's by somebody that's not a believer. And his research team that has realized that we are just made to seek moral and spiritual fulfillment. And we want to help you do that through smaller groups of people that you can be in relationship with. You know, we're at a place in our church where we hear a lot of, a lot of comments uh, about how much they enjoy their time here. And uh, they feel like people know their name. And they feel like it's, it's just kind of a little bit tidier group of people than maybe some of the bigger churches they've been to. Um, that's probably not going to stay that way. We're probably going to keep growing. We hope we keep growing as a church. It's not our goal necessarily, but we hope that we keep growing as a church. And so what that means, is, it's going to be harder and harder for you to know everybody. For you to know many people. Because there's, be, there's new people here every week. And there's new people staying every week. And every discovery we have, we have 10 or 15 new people that are going through it. We have another one coming up in September. We have 15 to 20 people that are possibilities for them to be here on those Sundays that we have at. But it's going to be harder and harder for you to know all those people. That's why it's more important for you to be connected and with a smaller group of people. All right? And here's why. Little uh, main point I want you to remember from the fact that Jesus did it is at the bottom here. You can't know everyone. But everyone can be known. And that's our goal. Our goal is not that you know everybody here. We're not going to put name tags on everybody. But our goal is that everyone can be known, that you are known by someone, and that you know a few someones as well. Does that make sense? We want you to be known by people. And we want you to know them as well. All right, second thing. Second point. Jesus did it. Second point is it's tough. Life groups are tough. Here's the elephant in the room when you start talking about life groups. Ready? Sometimes they're not that much fun. They're tough. It is not a joy all the time to be in a life group. If you go back to look at Scripture, okay, we just talked about Acts. Remember all those cool things that were happening in Acts 2 and Acts 5? Well, Paul, after that, wrote the book to the Romans and to the Corinthians, to the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, and the Colossians. Guess what's in those six books? Mess. He had to write them a letter because he had to correct them on things. Things were not going well. Relationships were messed up. There was sin, deep sin in a number of those churches. Philippi seemed to be doing better than, than a lot of the rest of them, but still there was deep Sin and mess and flaws and confusion and issues. Just issues. Guess what's in my life? Flaws, issues, sin, confusion, mess in my own heart, in my own life. Guess what's in our life? People like me with sin and issues and problems and confusion and frustration and personalities. and It is just tough. Being real is messy. Being real in relationships is messy. Your life group at times, if you choose to be a part of one, at times it's going to be messy. You're going to wonder why you went. It's going to be frustrating. You know... uh, I've had a variety of life group experiences over the years. First group I ever tried, uh, I was in my mid-30s. I was single at the time, a uh, different church, and they started a young singles group. I thought, great, because I just, my four best friends had just moved. So I was in a really tough place um, and uh, just needed some, some, some deeper interaction with others to try to replace what I just lost. And so uh, church I was attending at the time, they started a, a young single singles group. And so I show up on the first night, and it's at the, the church, and I walk through the doors, and I just stopped and went, oh, no. Because just the setup, I knew I was in for a long night. Because as I walked in, they had a uh, one of those long rectangular tables at the front of the room with the three or four leaders sitting behind it. And then they had about 15 chairs right in front of it in a straight line facing them. Guess what I felt like? Like I was at the Inquisition or about the judge and jury or something like that. And I just went in and I just took my seat and just thought, oh no, what's going to happen? And it was just miserable. Did I go back? Nope. (laughs) Not at all. That was it for that group. So a year or two goes by, a different church, to try another group. And uh, uh, was in there for a uh, number of months, maybe maybe the full year, I think. Uh, good people in there, some good conversations and things. But I remember um, uh, showing up uh, a few minutes early one time. And uh, the, the wife answered the door, and I came in, and they said, so-and-so's in their office. And so I went and sat down, said hello, and sat down in their office. And the person just continued to work. And I'm just sitting there in the chair. And I'm, I try to chit-chat a little bit, and they would mumble something, and then they would just keep working and pushing papers. And this, I'm only like five, I'm not an hour early. I'm like five minutes early. And they're pushing papers. Well, that didn't really adhere me. I didn't feel a good sense of connection and relationship there. You know, the first group, the environment was all messed up. That group, the, 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 the leadership just was a little askew. And then uh, another year or two goes by and I end up in Dan and Mickey's group, uh, Ben Singh's small group, and uh, I was the only single person in the group, if I remember correctly, they're nodding yes. Uh, so in the words of my 15-year-old daughter, awkward. <laughs> but I had some friends in there. And that was probably 12 years ago uh, or so that I was in that group. And within this year, past year, I've still had connections with everybody that was in that group at that time. Because it was Relational and it was well-led, and people were intentional, and it was connecting, and I was able to relate, and share, and develop relationships with those guys. And then I met Julie, and my wife and daughter became a part of that, and it was just health. So good things have happened through that as well. Now. In the last few years, I've been a life group leader of our own group with a variety of people that have helped. And uh, at times, there's joy, and there's grace, and there's relational intimacy and connecting. And then there's like one night last year where I had to make four phone calls the next day because there was some relational disconnect. Some of it was going on with the kids back in childcare. Some of it was going on with the adults. But that's just part of it. The joys and the frustrations. Guess what life is? Joys, frustrations. That's the way your life group probably needs to be. If your life group is all joy, there's something wrong. You're not dealing with issues. You're not being honest. You're not being authentic. There probably needs to be different things, different emotions going on in your group because that's how we are. That's what real life is is all about it's tough and it's difficult i know for new people especially new people to a church i've been there done that stepping out when you don't know other folks it's difficult for new people as well but here's what james says and i've never thought about james one in terms of life groups but here's what he says and, and many of you know this because it just talks about life. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, wherever, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's life group. There's going to be joys. There's going to be things, trials. There's going to be perseverance at that time. So you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Because sometimes, I'm not sure I want to go to life group. I've had a hard week. I'm tired. Julie's had a hard week. She's tired. The kids have had all their stuff going on. It is hard to walk back out the door once you've gotten home from work. We know that. We know that. But here's... The point I want you to know from this second thing about it's tough is that life groups are a safe place to not be safe. We hope that life groups are a safe place to not be safe, to be okay and be real with those trials and those joys and those celebrations and those discouragements and those, that pain and the grief and whatever else life throws at us. We hope it's a safe place to not be safe. Here's the third point. Yes, Jesus did it. Yes, we know they're tough, but they bear fruit. Smaller groups of intimate relationships bear fruit. Here's what John 15 says. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. God's going to prune you. If you're trying to follow Jesus, He is going to prune you. And pruning takes place with these sharp shears, usually. They're not soft cushions that that shear vines. And sometimes God uses shears, sharp shears, to prune us as well. But He does it for His Father's glory, that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be his disciples. Now, uh, if you go back to Acts, and you look at Acts chapter 2 and all those things that were going on that we just described, there's a lot of fruit there. The sharing of their goods with the poor. The numbers of those who were being saved were increasing. There was fruit that came from all the things that those disciples had just gone through over the last few years. And from being together and meeting from house to house. And we hope fruit happens here for you as well, and that's our goal. Here's what connecting, the unconnecting, the unconnected looks like here at Grace Fellowship. All right. Here's the first thing I want you to know: uh, it's not the size of our church; it's the depth of our community. Our goal is depth, not width. Ultimately. It's not the size of our church, it's the depth of our community. And we have four things that we focus on here in our life groups. We want to care for one another. We'd better be shepherding each other well and, and just being with each other and caring about where you are in life and what's going on in your life. But we hope you grow as well. And there's a biblical component to all of our groups. There's a, a biblical foundation there that we use Scripture in a variety of forms so that you are grow, grow in those groups and are transformed to be more like Jesus. We give our groups opportunities to serve as well. Meet weekly, fellowship monthly, serve quarterly. And we we encourage our groups to be serving a number of times of the year. And then we hope discipling relationships flow out of that. Where groups of two or three are meeting and getting to know each other on a little bit deeper level through those groups as well. That's what we hope. And then... We hope our groups branch. They grow to the point where Jesus is pruning them and and new branches are developing. And that's a win for us because we get to develop more leaders. We get to use people more in their spiritual gifts. It allows for new people to come into their church. If groups never branch, what are new people going to do? Where are they going to go? And we want new people to keep coming into these doors. So we want our groups to branch over time when it's right and when it's healthy for everybody involved. And we're going to celebrate a little bit of that right now, as a matter of fact, uh, because we do have some groups branching. So will the couches come on up here? You can grab the little thing there and the Thurman's. Um, I don't think the mirrors are here yet. Uh, I think they're going to be here second service. But Kyle, come on up here. Now, for those of you that have been here for a while, uh, the couches were up on this stage last year receiving this baton, from the Porsches, because their group had branched. And they have a little baton there that has 2 Timothy 2, two written on it, which says, the things you have heard from me, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, and Paul says, these things you have heard from me, pass them on to faithful people who can teach others also. And so that's what's happened with the couches. And this year, uh, um, over the last six months, eight months or so, their group has grown Uh, The Thurmans have taken on some of the leadership uh, opportunities within that group and been trained. And so the Thurmans and the Muirs, Josh and Sarah, are going to be their co-leaders as well. And the couches are passing the baton on to them. Uh, And we want (laughs) to celebrate that. (laughs) With a few tears involved in that as well, I think. Uh, But we're excited for them uh, because of what that allows for the couches to incorporate some new people in their group. There's there's a couple families that are staying with them. They're not just leaving out on their own. There's a couple groups that are staying with them uh, to allow for new people to come in. And then the rest of their group is staying with the Thurmans, which will still allow a couple new people to join their group as well. So give them a (laughs) hand as they head off. Thank you, guys. All right. What else kind of? What other kind of? What does fruit look like? You know, we've already talked about it bearing fruit. Here's the last thing I want to say uh, for today: Ephesians 4:15 and 16. And this is what we hope: the fruit that materializes from these small groups, speaking the truth in love. We hope that we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together but every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You have a part to play in this as well. Yes, we just did a little thing with the leaders up here, but you have a part to play. You are going to influence somebody else to grow because you're in that group with others. So when it comes to our, our groups, we just try to model what Jesus did And we know it's tough, we know it's tough, but it bears fruit. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we give you thanks this morning. We thank you for um, the hope that you give us in the midst of all that life throws at us. You give us yourself. You give us a personal relationship with you. Because of your sacrifice on the cross for us and for our sins, you have made us whole. And you are using all of us together to grow and mature and to make us more like yourself, Lord. We ask that you help us today to do that. And as we talk about Life Group Sunday, both this week and next week, and give people an opportunity to sign up for groups, Lord, I ask that you direct them uh, to that place where they can be known and that they can know someone else as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's how we're finishing things up today. It's Life Group Sunday, and uh, we're going to dismiss early uh, about 10 minutes earlier or so today, and here's some directions for you. First of all, if you had have kids in the back, you don't need to worry about them for a while. We're leaving early today so that you have time to go out and wander and talk to all of our group leaders who are going to be out there uh, at their tables, and you can think about a group that you would like to be a part of this year. Out there on the tables as well uh, are going to be uh, our life group... Uh, images. You can see all the people that are part of our groups, that are leading groups. You can find out some information about them, our contact info. It's also on our app if you have our app. Uh, All our life group info is on there under the connect sign, and it's all on the website as well. So you can grab one of these. A couple things about signing up. If you're planning on being in the same group you were last year, which I know a lot of you are doing that, please go by and still sign up just so your leader knows that you intend to be back just to make sure there's clear communication there. Um, If you're new and you have questions about things, please ask Joel or myself. Uh, If you have questions about the group, talk to as many of the group leaders as you want to. You don't have to make a decision today. All the leaders will be out there next Sunday as well. Uh, Our groups will start meeting in September. So this is the month to kind of start thinking through your decisions. And, And also... Uh, feel free to try a couple of them out. If you're new here to Grace, um, you're free to kind of show up one night at one, show up another night to another, and just see which is the best fit for you. All right? And just because you were in a group last year doesn't mean you necessarily have to be in the same one this year. You're free to go where God is taking you. All right? Who said amen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I figured. I figured Hammy would have one comment to make (laughs) about that. Uh, But anyway, if you have questions for us, just let us know. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you for being willing to to, uh, be a part of what God is doing here at Grace. And you are dismissed. Have some fun out there meeting folks. And there's there's some sweet stuff out there, too, uh, that you might be interested in as well. All right. See you next week. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you were challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person. If you live in the Tri-Cities area, we meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.